What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up? What's up, guys? Welcome to the Weightlifting Scoop. Tonight, we have a couple of guests one guest, and then the three of us, the the normal folks. So we had to bring on someone more exciting because uh, you guys are getting bored with us. But uh, Cord Gunning, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. We're going to have a good discussion about coaching significant others, whether that – I mean, that can be a wife. It can be, you know, uh, someone you're dating. It can be your daughter or another family member. But uh, sometimes that brings its own set – of uh challenges but uh first let's let's do some housekeeping uh what's going on walt everything trav just uh get a lot of work done today and uh excited to, to relax now with you boys yeah thanks for jumping on walt andy what's going on buddy i just got done eating some dinner talking to you guys that i'm heading back to the gym to do my workout man late night for me Really? Damn. Well, dedication, man. That's awesome. Um, I know that you wanted to make a couple announcements about nationals, uh, particularly with credentialing. So you want to go over that before we dig into the main topic? Yeah. So there was some gray area with um, who was going to be allowed in the back in the warm-up room for the meet. And we want to just make sure we put this out in as many different venues as we can so that everyone can get the information and there's no confusion when people show up at the venue <clears throat> in the 17 and under youth national championship. Anyone who listed under 17 and under is going to get two coaches passes and two parent passes along with the one pass for the athlete. The parent passes just need a negative COVID test and you, you can take that parent pass and get into the spectators section of the venue. The coaches passes that everyone 17 and under gets two and everyone senior and up gets two. Those coaches passes have to be credentialed people. The reason that we do that, that we're doing that is because we have to be able to contact trace. So if everyone is a registered coach, meaning you need a safe sport background check, um, local weightlifting committee ref test and a certification USAW level one, as well as your USADA education, you can get a coach's registration. That's the only way you're going to get in the venue to load weights and help your crew is if you are a registered coach, you have to have a credential. Now, now you may or may not know the answer to this, Andy, but that's, that's kind of new. Usually you might be able to have someone back there. That's not a level one. Um, but, but they're just loading weights. Is, is there a level one on the books where if people are just finding this out, they could, they could take it? You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. And I think that that would be a good way to get away or get past some of these issues people are having to jump through that hoop. Um, but that would be a question for Phil Andrew that we can bring up to him real quick. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to do it, they need to do it now and, and, and maybe they can right. do one of those online level ones because that's kind of a new thing I mean you know I guess I have mixed emotions about that rule but I understand you know at the end of the day why they're doing it so um anyways guys we just want to make sure but that you're should, you're informed they could always uh just check they do have the course calendar on USAW's website so if they jumped on the course calendar uh they would be able to see what courses are available this weekend and I would think because of again having to get the background screening takes uh, five to seven days, 
I don't even know if you can get it all in at this point, Trev, because yeah, I don't the, either. The late registration for the coaches closes, I think, next Thursday. Yeah, yeah. So it's all coming up quick. So you know, it is what it is, kind of at this point. But definitely, you know, maybe something to look out for if you were planning on being back there. Maybe you could reach out to USA Weightlifting, and you know, the rules are the rules. So probably not going to be become an exception, but uh, we wanted everybody to be informed so that. You know, there's always going to be someone who's expecting to get back there, but at least the folks who listen to this show will know. Um, so, so Cord, we got you on here, man, and we want to we want to dig in a little bit, and uh, you know, let's let's talk about your background first, so we can kind of lay the foundation of of the topic today. So, you know, what's your uh, your upbringing in weightlifting, and um, you know, how'd you get to the position you are today? Uh, so I got my start in weightlifting through CrossFit. Um, I saw these guys doing cleans on a YouTube video and I wanted to get back into working out and I saw all that going on. So I went to a CrossFit gym, went through that Avenue. Um, I actually broke my ankle doing a cleaning jerk. Um, I didn't know how to bail on a cleaning jerk. So, uh, broke my ankle. And then after that, once I healed up, I was like, all right, well, I'm getting back into it. I might as well learn everything I need to know about weightlifting um, to do it safely. And uh, I started looking into weightlifting courses because I knew I wanted to coach CrossFit, but I wanted to be really good at coaching the weightlifting stuff because it looked so technical. And, um, you know, I wanted it to help out my athletic performance as well. So I went, took a USAW level one course with CJ Stockel. Um, you're familiar with him, right? Yeah, he was my original coach, so that's pretty cool. He's a, he's an exciting guy at those level ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, he also did my level two as well. Um, and, Andy, we took that course, uh, when was that, three years ago? 2018, October. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, so a couple years ago. And uh, after that, um, you know, just kept coaching weightlifting and CrossFit gyms, and then finally, uh, you know, had enough people interested in wanting me to coach them in weightlifting and started a weightlifting team. And now I'm here. Um, and along with Danielle, uh, my wife that I coach, she started weightlifting about the same time, I think 2013, early 2014. Um, we had a coach on team Georgia. His name was Sean Blair. Um, we did a couple of meets with him. Danielle moved from Georgia and went to Auburn, Alabama. And that's where she got linked up with Jeremy Shepard for East Alabama weightlifting. And he coached her for, I want to say, about a year or two. Um, And that's really where she had her first, you know, traditional setting of like, come to the gym, have a coach work with you, good, solid programming. And she made a lot of progress there. that was when she was still competing as a 58 kilo weightlifter. Uh, there was a couple of American opens and nationals where she finished, um, right around fourth to sixth or seventh place, uh, as a 58. Um, then after that, she, Oh no, she went to, uh, yeah. With Jeremy, she went to the university world championship in 2017. Um, she did pretty good there. Uh, then after that, she moved from Auburn back to Georgia and then came back to team Georgia with Sean Blair coached, uh, he coached her for a little while after that. And then some time passed, uh, she kind of had a little, had a few injuries and she wanted to kind of step back from weightlifting a little bit and was up in the air for a little while. And then, uh, once she got back into it, she just kind of played around with her own programming and she ended up moving up the weight class to the 64s. So that's when it changed from uh, 58, 63 to 59, 64. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her first meet back as a 64, her first national meet back as a 64 was the 2019 nationals. And uh, she ended up sweeping gold, winning snatch, clean jerk total with uh, 94 and 115. Um, which that total earned her a spot on the Lima Grand Prix team that went, um, well, it was actually, uh, this time last year, uh, after that went to the American open finals, won 
the weight class again there. And uh, it was after nationals. It was right at nationals and right after when she decided uh, or we decided to have me coach her uh, and her completely hand the steering wheel over to, to me. Um, I'm not going to say completely hand over the steering wheel. She has <laughs> a ton of input on what we do, but there's a lot of compromise into it, but that's kind of where we led up to where we're at now. Yeah. So appreciate that background. Now, as far as, um, it, it, how long have you guys been together? Were you guys together through that whole process or did you guys like, uh, connect along the way? No, we were, we've been together for a long time. Uh, <laughs> we've been about, I'm not, uh, I'm not here to quiz you. So you don't have to, you don't have to say something and it'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> uh, we've been together for 10 years. Okay. Uh, we started dating in high school uh, as seniors and we've, you know, we didn't even work out or start working out until we graduated in 2011, 2013. So we got together before we found weightlifting. Um, we, uh, I, I, once I started coaching, I was actually the first person ever to teach her how to do a barbell snatch and clean and jerk and stuff. Um, and then she went through that whole journey of coaches and everything. So, um, Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, and, and one thing I will say just uh, kind of as a total side note is that Andy's always good for dates. It's like, Hey, when did we take that course? October, 2018. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy, man. I, I numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when Taylor was on here, you were, she's like, how long was that squat program? And when did I start it? And you were like, you, you did this and then it ended here. And I was like, nice. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, anyways, uh, kind of getting back to that uh as far as your own weightlifting so so that was a lot about danielle like you know you did some lifting yourself and you're, you're still lifting i assume mm-hmm. i am okay um cool so when did you did you guys find weightlifting at the same time and when did you uh were you for a long time resistant to coaching her and you just wanted that separation like hey you know someone else should be in charge of all the programming and and teaching you this stuff and then occasionally I'll jump in with some input but uh I don't really want the reins <laughs> at first it really wasn't a, a idea that we had talked about before but it's just because uh you know she was moving uh she was with East Alabama and then Team Georgia and when she was with Team Georgia I wasn't quite uh and, and when I was also on Team Georgia I wasn't quite jumping into the whole coaching side of things I was still you know just competing and coaching mainly CrossFit classes. Um, but it kind of just led to a point where uh, after nationals and me just always being around her training and pretty much giving her input anyways, whenever she would ask for it, you know, it all just kind of pointed into that direction. Uh, and Danielle, you know, saw that, um, you know, I was getting a lot more familiar with programming for people and developing a couple other athletes on the team that I had. And I think, you know, with their success, she was, you know, a little more, um, a little more reluctant to, you know, kind of just move on with that process. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. I know I've been with him for a while, but he actually knows this sport. So I'm going with him. <laughs> right, uh, right. No, that's cool, man. So I, th- I think like, you know, some people out there in a roundabout way may find themselves in this situation. Um, and it's tough. It is it is really tough. It's like, how do you, you know, give constructive criticism? You know, how do you, as the coach, take input from the athlete when you know that there's this conversation that can affect your relationship too? And then like, you know, your emotional attachment to the whole process. So we'll just kind of like start, uh, you know, from the top, like, you know, you're, you're writing this program for her and, um, you know, how does it work? You said she's a pretty smart girl. She's obviously a great weightlifter. She's won nationals and, uh, you know, so she knows what she's doing too. And how do you guys go through that process? Uh, we'll start with programming. Uh, I do all my programming for the whole team on Sunday night and send it out through, uh, true coach. And whenever I'm doing that, I normally, I normally wait to do hers um, or either I'll do hers at first or whichever, whatever the timeline is. And we'll sit in the same room and talk about it. Uh, if we were coming up with an, an initial start of a new cycle or if we have different ideas that we want to talk through and 
kind of bounce ideas off around each other and we uh we talk about a lot of things um i know that going into programming that there are certain things that she just absolutely sucks at and then there are a lot of things that she's really really good at um and just like with any other athlete you have to be careful at you know when you know those kinds of things about them when you sprinkle those things that they really struggle with in their programming and when you set them up for success and you really want them to feel confident about themselves you have to kind of mix that in a little bit and you can't just do a whole cycle um you know where they do only things that they're bad at and then they phase into things they're only good at you know i can kind of mix in with her um maybe like two three two or three things a week where all right, I want to challenge her a little bit, but then also reward her with, you know, the full lifts, snatch or clean the dirt. Um, that way there's minimal headbutting between us two um, because that does come up. I mean, there are times when she gets really frustrated with programming and uh, things that she may be doing, working from a certain position or whatever, and it may add up to a lot more stress than we really need to, but uh, if it's something that we both feel is important to work on, then we got to work on it. And we have a conversation about that all the time. And it's, uh, you know, like any other relationship, communication is key. So you really flex your communication muscles when you kind of take another step and decide to <laughs> handle all these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, usually when there's something tough in programming and, you know, your coach is not your significant other, you can kind of go back to your significant other and vent a little bit and maybe even realize that, Hey, I actually did need to work on this and get comfort from your significant other, given that you are that significant other and you're the one that is giving these challenging exercises that she may or may not enjoy. Um, you know, does that put you in an interesting situation sometimes? Well, sort of, but you know, if you're, if you're going to coach really anybody, and you give them a certain exercise, you have to know the why behind it before you even give it to them. So having a thorough explanation of why you're having them do this is, you know, always important to, <laughs> to have on deck. So that way, when they come and ask you about it, you can just be like, bam, it's because of that, you know, and, <laughs> you know, hit them in the face when it's like it, that, that's, she likes explanation a lot. So when she comes to me and she says, why are we doing this? Then I have a, a long scroll I can flip out and be like, all these things are here. <laughs> no, it's so true. It makes the communication even more important. But I think that goes for any athlete, really. I think, uh, you know, mm -hmm. working with your significant other is similar to any other athlete, but it's different in some ways. I mean, the main thing you said there is communication is key and you have to be able to explain why you're doing this or why you're doing that so that when they're frustrated you can and I feel like if you're able to have that conversation and they can in a logical way if their emotions are not running too high <laughs> then uh yeah. then you can kind of get through so no that's definitely good uh, as far as constructive criticism like say you know once um she's getting to a certain percentage if you're seeing something like uh do you ever hit a point where you're like Hey, you know, you're doing this and it's like, I know you tell me this all the time. And then it's kind of like, you know, causes tension. I mean, that might happen with any athlete coach, but I would imagine it could be intensified in this situation. It can be. Um, and I only, we've, this is something that we've learned, um, uh, with us two, you know, working together. If something comes up like that and I see something that's just absolutely, you know, screaming at me, like, Hey, this needs to be fixed. Uh, then I'll approach and go say, Hey, I'm seeing something that I think will help you along the road here. But she's not one of the type of athletes where if she misses a lift, I don't have to always go and say anything to her. She can figure it out for the most part on her own. Like you get to a certain point where when you miss a lift, you're just like, oh, cut that pull short. You know, she, she's at that point where she can figure that out. But there's a lot of times where if she is missing things, like maybe after the second or third miss, then I'll see her cut her eyes over at me across the rooms. Like, what are you seeing? You know, and then she'll, then she'll ask me and that's fine. Then I'll go into it and you know, then I get to coach her up, but yeah, know, if she doesn't, then I, I leave it alone. If she's not asking for my help, I don't give it to her. Cause nope. along with the same time of her. Was there a transition training, with that? 
was that? Uh, was there a transition time with that? So, like, I coached my daughter, uh, Nicole, who's mm -hmm. 16 now. But when she was younger, she would have a really tough time whenever I would give her a correction in the gym. She took it a little bit more personal than, say, another athlete would, even one of the same age. Uh, was there ever a time when you started when you first started working with Danielle? Was there ever the, the time when you was kind of either you were s hesitant to give her a correction the same way you would do it with another athlete, or any times that maybe she took it maybe the wrong way, and there was like a separation between coach cord and husband cord? <laughs> um, yes, there there is. Um, it. It has happened a lot in the past and it still happens today where if I don't, if she asks me something and I don't word the sentence in a, you know, right or wrong way, I guess in a, in a certain specific way, then it will be read into and it will kind of be, you know, she took it as this way. I meant it as another. And that could be good or bad for the training session. If she's going heavy and I say something like, or she asked me if she can go up and wait. And uh, I don't do a backflip and say, yeah, absolutely, go up, you know. If I say it like, all right, hey, pull harder, you know. Like, she'd be like, he didn't think I could do it. All right, I'm going to show him I can do it. And she gets a little motivation from it, and it lights a fire in her, and then she goes and nails it. And I would like to say that's always planned on my part, but it's definitely not. It sometimes just happens <laughs> on accident. <laughs> you give her but, that proper motivation. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea that, you know, like a lot of things, I, there are sometimes I'll say something and then I won't even know till later that, you know, that was something that irritated her or it wasn't interpreted the right way. So you have to be, you have to know how to word things that you want to say like 10 times. So basically you're saying that tone absolutely matters. Yeah, it does. Tone matters. And I, I mean, I think that a lot of things that you're saying definitely apply to every athlete, but it's just when you, when you have to go home with this person, whether it's a, you know, a family member or significant other, then, you know, it just like, it makes you hyper aware of it. But I think it's good training for just coaching all athletes, like these things that you're learning just by putting yourself in this, you know, somewhat stressful coaching position where you really have to think through all of your words. You really have to think through your motivation. Uh, it's preparing you in a better way. Um, one thing that I that I noticed, so, you know, like Walt said, he coaches Nicole, so I've been able to um, see that firsthand some. And I know that sometimes when he gives her a compliment, she may not even take it in the same regard as if someone else had given her a compliment. So because she's like, well, you're my dad, you have to believe in me or you have to give me a compliment. Does she feel that way sometimes like almost like it's tough to tell her when she's doing well because she's like, well, he has to tell me that. Yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, we've been in a relationship long enough that where if she, <laughs> if I go out of my way to make a compliment or something, like she can just see right through all the BS that if I'm, if I'm spewing BS from my mouth, she knows it, it immediately, you know, it doesn't, you know, so if I give her a compliment, she knows that I mean, um, mm -hmm. you know, she's not going to, you know, I, I, I rarely give a compliment where I just feel like I need to, you know, if, if someone does something good, I'm going to tell them if they do something bad, I'm going to compliment sandwich it and let them know what they're doing good. But then also like, Hey, we can work on this. And then another compliment. So with her, it's just, uh, you know, like I said, whenever she comes to me for help, that's when we communicate a lot of times when we're training um, or when she's training, I'm training as well. So she's kind of like a training partner that I get programmed for. And she occasionally, ask me for help with technique. So it's uh, not as not as fancy as a lot of people would think, but it, it works. Yeah. So Walt, why don't, why don't you expand a little bit on that, you know, and some of these topics that we've talked about and apply it to, you know, coaching Nicole um, and or Lauren, your daughters and, and how some of this, you know, plays out because even with a, with a daughter is different, right? Because um, I mean, I mean, it is a different dynamic than, than a wife. So go ahead. You would certainly hope so, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like so. Um, but you know, uh, I don't really. My, my little one, as you know, she's not really that involved with it. But 
uh, my, my older daughter, she's been, she did her first competition at eight. She's 16 now. Uh, she's won a youth national championship and at 15 took silver in the 17 under in an American open series uh, down there in Daytona. So, um, you know, she, she, she's a good little lifter. Um, she works hard and um, you know, but she makes sure. So w- with me, the, uh, when she first started, I had to have a sit down conversation with her uh, because of the way that she was taking the criticisms and kind of break it down and say, look, there's a difference between dad and coach, you know? So when we're in the gym and I'm coaching you, you know, the way that I'm going to say things, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to treat you this way, same way I treat everybody else. So it, it, to kind of protect her from, because she felt like every time she missed a lift, that she was a disappointment to me. Um, so for me, when she was so young, it was very clear. I mean, I had to be very clear in my communication uh, to let her understand what our boundaries were and what my expectations were from her so that she could continue to enjoy the process and starting to learn. Um, as that relationship has grown over the years, uh, she's really become my shadow, uh, which is really, really neat. And very much like what Cord was saying with Danielle, uh, she wants to know the intention uh, behind exercises and behind why we're doing things and approaching things a certain way. Um, so, um, you know, it is kind of cool that we can, you know, like a lot of times, you know, we'll come home and before the gym or after the gym, we're watching videos and breaking down lifts, not only of her, but of other people. And, you know, we have that same interest. So it does give us a little bit more, you know, common ground uh, for bonding and, and for that, for that stuff. So when you were kind of talking about a little bit about Trav before about having that space, um, it also actually can work in the opposite thing and give you that common, uh, commonality to, to bring some closeness as well if you both are so passionate about the same topic and I've really found that with Nicole that she's become my little buddy and she goes and she assists me on my courses when I teach coaching courses um, she you know goes to coach in the back room of meets so she's not lifting um, she is a, a level one coach um, and uh, you know she, she she's she's all about doing all that stuff so um, it's a lot of fun with her. Now, um, my little one, she's a little bit different because it's like, if I even bring up going to the gym with her, she gets like mad at me. She's like, that's not my thing. You know, I'm not into that. Um, so it's, I have to be real careful not to be pushy with her, with that type of stuff. Um, because she does like playing sports and she does want me to give her what she calls, um, programming or workouts, but like she has very strict rules with her workouts. One of which is she is not going to do snatches and clean and jerks. So um, <laughs> I'm working on getting her to understand that they're an excellent thing for her sports performance, but um, for whatever reason, and I think it is a little bit to do with her sister is so much more advanced that she feels as the little sister that maybe, you know, like she can never measure up to what her big sister is in that sport. So she's trying to do her own things, but you know, there, there is a little bit delicate balance there that I'm still trying to figure out with uh, getting her to do, um, to understand the difference between dad and coach a little bit still, even at 12 years old, but uh, either way, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it with both of them. Yeah. Uh, so appreciate you giving some background on that too. I think it's important that, that people hear like different perspectives. And um, I, I guess as far as, um, you know, getting your own space is something that I wanted to talk about. Like, you know, sometimes weightlifting is like an outlet. So maybe, you know, my wife does weightlifting somewhat recreationally. She used to be a little more into it, but like weightlifting for me is kind of an outlet, something that I do. And then, you know, singing and playing guitar is an outlet for her. So those are things that we can do individually and then kind of come back and, and tell each other about those things. So, you know, it's always important to have uh, different things that you do. Like, do you guys have uh, different hobbies and, and ways to, to get space outside of the gym? Uh, yeah, I mean, before I got into uh, – back in – before I got into CrossFit, um, I was actually a D3 collegiate golfer. Um, oh, nice. So – I still play golf a lot. 
Um, well, I say a lot. I still play golf some, <laughs> not as, as much as I would like to, but, uh, you know, that's something that I can just, you know, pick up and go do whenever I want to and, or whatever the weather's nice. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of like a secondary sport for me. It's something that I still care a lot about, but I don't, I just don't compete in it. Um, as far as hobbies go, like I play a little bit of the guitar, but very bad and I'm attention deficit disorder. So it's hard for me to make myself sit down and like practice scales and stuff. So I don't do that too much. Um, with Danielle, I mean, she, you know, loves going on walks and stuff with the dog, dog or our dogs. Uh, we have three of them. Um, and just, you know, hanging out with friends and just doing things outside of the gym, you know, uh, not really just, you know, staying married to the gains, but, uh, you know, doing other things outside the gym is really anything for her. So. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, what, what kind of dogs do you guys have? Three dogs. That's a lot, but, uh, my wife loves animals too. So I got a bunch of animals, but <laughs> yeah, uh, we have, uh, our oldest one, uh, Atlas. That's where we got our team name from, uh, is a pit lab mix. Um, Athena, she, we don't really know what she is. She looks, have you, if you ever seen a Basenji, you know what kind of dog that is? I don't know. Google it. She kind of looks like that, but then also doesn't. Um, and then uh, we have Kilo, our youngest one. He's a, he's a pit, pit mix something. I got you. Yes. It's definitely always good to, uh, you know, I think animals during quarantine, I mean, Atlanta opened up a little quicker than a lot of other States, but uh, you know, I've always had a little bit of appreciation for my own animals but much more once quarantine happened. <laughs> yeah, I think the animals actually appreciated quarantine a lot more than we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, cool, mom and dad's hold all the time now? This is great. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have to hold it all day. Um, yeah. So, so another thing that we, uh, you know, with any athlete, I think any coach can listen to this and be like, uh, coaching is a totally different animal than lifting. You know, you watch your athlete on there, you have zero control of what's going on. Uh, you're watching it, you're on, you, you know, you're on the edge of your seat, on your tiptoes, just like, was the preparation right, you know, and you're thinking of it from your perspective, like, did I make the warm-ups on time, was, you know, and, and then the athletes thinking of it from their perspective, and they're going out there, but they have control, so, you know, is the emotional intensity greater or different with your with your wife given that you know you're invested so much like with your lives uh sort of i mean it, there's a little bit more stress when you go into a weightlifting meet obviously um you know if i'm coaching her through a meet my biggest thing is getting her just making sure her warm-ups are on time that's the biggest one making sure that you know she has uh you know, what she needs in the warm-up room and she does what she can to feel the best. Um, we, as far as like making calls for numbers and things, uh, that's something that if we didn't do this uh, ahead of time, it, it could definitely cause some issues, um, which is beforehand. I know a lot, you know, like anybody else, you would want to talk about numbers that you're going to open with and, you know, you have a plan A and a plan B just in case, you know, you miss your first two lifts or your first lift. You, you talk about all existing options. And if all these things come up, okay, I know we want to open with this and we want to finish with this. All right. So perfect world. We go six for six. That's what we do. Let's say you miss your first one. Then what do you want to do? You want to repeat, go up a kilo. What do you feel most comfortable with? And you talk about all those kind of things with, uh, I'll talk about all those things with her and make sure that, I know exactly what the game plan is. And whenever we're in the situation, you know, we can call an audible and go right to it. And she knows what's going on. I know what's going on. And that way there's no, you know, frustrations because I had too much hope or too much uh, um, confidence in her. And I call for, you know, a PR cleaning jerk or something. Or like I, I, you know, tell her to go out there and hit something big and she doesn't know about it. She's got to get her mind wrapped around it. So getting um getting everything laid out on paper is a big one that cuts out a lot of stress getting her on the platform one time once that happens then it's smooth sailing 
Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, one thing that we do talk about a lot that you just touched on is planning in advance. And it's something that we talked about a little bit, a couple episodes back, but it makes so much sense. Like no matter what the athlete is, you have to communicate with them before the meet and talk through all these scenarios so they can visualize it, wrap their head around it and execute. And uh, you want to be talking to your lifter in a logical state of mind and planning it on paper before the emotions start flying. Because, you know, if you don't talk about this and then, you know, they miss their last warm up or they miss their first attempt and that's not what they envisioned. Um, and, and they're like, go up anyways, you know, and they're, you know, it, it just, you need to have that, that plan. So, uh, I think one thing that would be cool to talk about is Andy, let's get to you in here a little bit. Um, when you warm up your athlete and they're about to take their first attempt, like, what does it feel like? What emotions are going through you? What <laughs> are you scared or what's going on? My athletes actually make fun of me because, um, and it's going to be really bad in Atlanta because we got all this COVID stuff we're dealing with. I, I get so invested that I have like a, uh, a gag reflex and I start like, like coughing and gagging and all this stuff. And it's like, it's not that I'm actually sick. It's because I'm nervous for the lifter. And what I normally try to do is when I feel it coming, I just turn around and walk away where they don't see me, but somebody somewhere figured out what I was doing and what was going on, and I've been made fun of ever since by my lifters. <laughs> um, and, and once that first snatch goes down, like, it all goes away, and it's all, it's all fine. Um, but it's just like those last few warm-ups, and when things are really getting heated up, ready to go, rock and roll, man, I get into it. Cord's seen it, because I've worked with him right. through a couple of meets. He's seen it. Um, you know, I've come close to actually, like, throwing up a couple of times because it's gotten really bad. Um, but it's, that's my nervous thing. I get, I get really into it because I care so much. So Walt, like, uh, let's get you to describe how you feel and you know, you're leading up, you got a couple warm ups. you're going up to the opening attempt. What's it like? So if we're going to talk about, uh, bring it back to the significant other comparison, um, when we're talking about, well, or, you know, close family member, uh, when we're talking about Nicole, um, the funny thing is, is I think when she actually walks out onto that platform is when I'm the most calm ever in a weightlifting meet. Um, something about, you know, like, cause I know, you know, I've been coaching her so long and we have such a good rapport there that it's like, I always give her a kiss on her forehead right before she walks onto that platform. And as soon as I give her that kiss on a platform, I think we both become completely calm, you know, and I just watch her and I've seen her lift every, probably every lift or close to every lift she's ever met, taken in her life. And I just watch her go. And at that point it's, um, it's, it's kind of a little weird because it is like a, like whatever, a, a state of Zen and calmness when she's lifting. Um, now heading into a meet um, in that back room, as I've said, I believe on this podcast before, you know, that back room just feels like home to me. You know, um, I love that back room setting. Um, I'm excited. Um, I feel under, uh, you know, not to sound whatever, but I mean, like, I feel like I have the ability to give my athletes an advantage back there. Uh, uh, the way that I see that board, the way that I can kind of, you know, work with things and manipulate things. And to me, it's like, I always relate it back to kind of when I was a kid, um, my grandfather and I used to play this game called Rummy Cube. And if you've never played it, it's these little tiles with little numbers on them. And you had to add the tiles in and get rid of your tiles. And all the tiles have to line up in a certain way. And I would, I would like have this whole thing that I was setting up. And then all of a sudden I would hit that board and I would be shifting the tiles all over the place. And my grandfather would be like, what did you just do? And then like, he gave me his, the, the nickname. I was his little Houdini is what he called me because I, he would check the board and make sure that everything was right and everything was right. And that kind of is the way I kind of feel in that back room. It's like, you know, almost like kind of controlling it and uh, you know uh, you know, making things go the way that I want them to go. Um, so it's very strategic and everything like that. So that's not when I'm nervous, <laughs> I guess when I'm nervous is, um, probably the last few heavy days 
heading into a big meet where, you know, we're coming into that Saturday and now we have to start thinking about like, you know, like where we're at right now. It's like, you know, um, we'll just use you as an example, Trav. It's like right now I'm like, you know, Hey, Travis just, you know, looked really good, um, up at camp, hit some big, big lifts, makes me feel really confident about where your openers are and, and what we can push and what we could do in this meet. Um, there's some other people right now on the team that don't have any or have very little national meet experience. So right now on the, on, on Saturdays when they're in the gym, I'm really trying to identify not where they think is a good opener for them, but where we think is a good opener for them. Cause I'm going to have some that are going to want to push that envelope a little bit more than maybe where, I want them to right now um, in their development process. So it's about kind of setting those expectations, planting those seeds and um, watering them. So this is where I feel, I guess, the most anxiety because there's, you know, we do have a large team going down there and there's a lot of moving pieces. And I just want to make sure that I'm not overlooking anything, that I'm not missing anything. And that when we get down there, I think that's maybe why I feel calm is because I know all the work is done. I feel like, you know, for me, I always, I use the analogy many times with my athletes, like that meet day is like payday. You know, at that point we've already put in all the work. There's nothing else you can do on that, you know, on meet week even, you know, at that point it's just resting, making sure that we're on weight. And then it's just going and having that payday. It's cash and checks. That's what meet day is. It's all the work. It's all the sweat. It's all the, you know, the nutrition. It's all the recovery. That is the payday for what we did. And, you know, so um, I try to get them to understand that in advance. And um, I think it's it helps with the nerves when it comes to, you know, that day of competition. And then the other thing is I know I've had athletes tell me that my calm in the back room helps them. Like they can look and see that I'm calm so that they can feed off of that, that when they're back there in the back room where I think if, you know, I was more anxious or running around like a chicken with my head cut off and not knowing what was going on. I mean, I think that would really negatively affect, you know, the athletes that I was working with. So um, like I said, it's just about making sure that we have all our ducks in a row before we get down there. This way, when we're down there, it's just plug and play and um, have some fun because that's what it's all about right absolutely yeah weightlifting should be fun and uh so so moving on the court like you know no matter who it is whatever athlete what is it like when they're taking their first attempt or those last few warm-ups like you know what's your experience back there uh it depends on the athlete that i have going uh if i have someone that's been at a national meet or something beforehand and I know that they're excited to be out there. I want to be excited with them. Um, if it's a new experience for a lifter, then I want to try to make it as fun as possible. I'm going to cut up with them. I'm going to, you know, kind of read their energy and kind of match it. If, if they're nervous, then I'm going to try and, you know, talk them down and make them smile, cut a joke with them or whatever, and make sure they have fun. Um, but if I have, you know, I have some guys that they like to get intense and they like to, yell and scream they like to get after it and you know that's i'll gas them up and send them out there and if they explode they explode if they don't then cool <laughs> you know they they know all the stuff that goes into a, a weightlifting meet so um i do get nervous for them though i i when when they get out there for that first platform or that first lift on the platform i'm uh you know like any coach i'm just like please make it please make it you know because i want them to have the most fun they can and do the best they can so it's uh I, I would say I get more nervous when I have athletes on the platform than when I'm actually on the platform myself. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you guys can relate, but uh, I would much rather have my hands on the bar than me clinching my notebook back there. Like, yeah, please make it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps to feel like you have some control and, you know, I agree no matter how consistent the history of the lifter is and all that stuff. It's a little nerve wracking when they're taking their first attempt and, uh, you know, uh, so, so you're always just kind of, kind of hoping, making sure that everything, even when the warm ups are perfect, you know, training was perfect, all that stuff. Like you really don't find out 
if everything was worth it until that first lift goes overhead or even, you know, all six lifts, but really that first lift, right? So uh, pretty, pretty exciting, pretty nerve wracking. Like in a sense, you're excited for them to show everything they've been working on. In a sense, you know, there's, there's this hope and nervousness um, that things go well. So, uh, you know, we got a couple more things. There's that... definitely. Go ahead, Andy. There's definitely another piece of that though. I think that, uh, I get made fun of by a lot of things for my nerve, my stress response in the back room like that. Um, but like some of my athletes that know me really well now, they all say that when they don't see that, they get worried. Right. They're all like, Oh, he's too, he's way too calm. <laughs> Something's wrong. So uh, we have a lot of fun back there. Uh, everybody that goes in the back with me, we always have a great time. So have you ever faked it? Absolutely not. I, I'm, <laughs> I am on top of it. Like Cor can tell you, he's been in the back with me. I'm on top of everything. It's no, just no, no. my stress have you, response. Have you faked the stress response to calm down an athlete that thinks that you're too calm? No. Right. I, it, it is not, it is not a fun stress response. So what I'm saying is, is you're not thinking next level then, Andy. <laughs> you know, that's why I have to push me to the next level. You got to start, start faking the stress response when you're not getting it now, or else you're going to throw okay. your athletes off. I'll write that down, Walt. So one thing that you mentioned, Cord, was True Coach, you know, and and I've heard about this software. I actually put Dimitri on it for for this week. Um, You know, what do you think about that, and and has it changed your your, uh, model of programming at all or helped you out? Uh, Well, as soon as I started coaching weightlifters, I knew that I wanted to use the software because – I used to work with a, a CrossFit coach through OPEX Fitness. I'm not sure if you've heard of them or know mm-hmm. who that is. But um, when, I, when I hired that coach to work with me for CrossFit, uh, he had me download this app, and that's what he sent me all this stuff. And that was in 2016. Uh, and it was really easy on the athlete end of it to use and log information. Um, you, he, coach Band, the guy that I worked with, he always encouraged me to put – as much information into the workout as possible, as much feedback. Like he wanted to know everything and it has spots for you to do that. Like right after the workout that you have your sets and reps, you have a little bar that you can go down and, um, you know, put the weights that you had for those sets and reps. And then you can put some feedback on anything. Be like, I was absolutely trashed after this, you know, six sets of 10 on back squat at 85% or whatever it was, you know, like <laughs> this, you know, uh, they'd be smoked after that. That's for be. dang sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's a cool software. Um, I'm still learning stuff about it. Uh, I'm really happy that this, I think it was this past year that they actually added in the, the billing side of things. They finally got that situated for the longest time that I used it. It was literally just, send workouts and get information to and from your athletes and organizing things. And you can actually, you know, do a whole lot of stuff with it. But uh, now that, you know, you can grow your athletes and you can get different plans and stuff. uh, It keeps, you know, you from having to reach out and do the, the nasty work of, you know, asking people for money to be like, Hey, like it's the 15th or whatever, you know, and that, that's not, if people are, you know, for your coaching yeah that's actually pretty nice do you know do you know what percentage they take out of that i know that you know depending on how many athletes you have and if if i'm asking like a bunch of questions that you know you'd have to look up that's fine i'm just kind of new to the software i'm really on a trial and just put my first lifter on it this week to try it out and so far he likes it um so i'm thinking about switching over but i know there's different tiers of uh you know I think six to 20 lifters is like 30 bucks a month. So that's pretty, pretty reasonable. But if you wanted to grow your program and have people pay on it, do they take a percentage? Uh, They take a, yeah, they take a percentage when you have, uh, it it doesn't do like Wattify where they take a percentage of how many people you have in the system. Uh, It, whatever price you set for your coaching and you assign it to that athlete and whatever plan they're on, um, they take a small percentage of whatever that price is. Uh, I forget the numbers exactly right now, but um, yeah, it's just kind of like when, do you use Venmo? 
Yeah, yeah, or like Eventbrite or something, Eventbrite where it tacks on the the fee or something. Yeah, if you want like immediate billing uh, or like where the money goes straight into your bank account, like right then, okay. then they tax a little bit or they add on a little bit of price to it. Oh, okay, so you're saying, okay, I understand what you're saying. If it's an instant payment to your bank account, then they charge an extra 1% or whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of new to that and interested in learning. So, you know, maybe I'll have to reach out to you and, and, uh, you know, as I'm building workouts, but, uh, yeah. Have you ever used train heroic? Uh, I did a long time ago. Um, I was actually, I, I worked with coach Penlay for a little while. Um, before mm -hmm. I got with the CrossFit coach, uh, I know that coach Penlay had, uh, his different, plans and stuff on there and that's the that was my first introduction to train heroic yeah so so i guess the difference in in train heroic and uh, you know you're able to put the the actual it kind of like does the weights for you it seems mm -hmm. like in true coach you might write in yourself like four sets of two at 80 percent or something like that and then it doesn't like calculate does it calculate it for the athlete and stuff or not that I've used, like not the way that I've used it before. Um, okay. I there might be a feature on there where you can do that. Uh, I just haven't discovered it yet. <laughs> yeah, same here. And then in the comments section, they can say, "Okay, I I use these weights, which are close or exactly eighty percent." And then you can monitor, and and it gives you the opportunity they for them to post a video, which I thought was cool. Um, yeah. And uh, communication, like you know, all my athletes have like my phone number and stuff, but I could see if you wanted to go. Um, if you were a coach and, and you were getting like a lot of athletes, it'd be easier to manage there without everybody having your personal phone number. So you can kind of separate your, your professional and personal life. Um, right. Yeah. I actually have that too. So for a long time, um, my remote team would work off spreadsheets and I got to a point where we were getting too many people and we had uh, email stuff, text message stuff, Snapchat videos, um, Facebook Messenger, just anything you could think people were sending me videos on. And so I switched it over to True Coach, and now they're programming their feedback and my feedback to them is all in one place. And it's actually, it's actually streamlined a lot of that for me. Okay, I didn't know you used it too. So, yeah, it's gotten pretty big. Like a lot of people are uh, using it. The, the more coaches I talk to, it seems like more people. Yeah, um, and I actually really have multiple – of my coaches on there also where they have their own team of lifters and then I can oversee everything they're doing. So the product is the same. They're all getting my, my program, whatnot for built for them, but then they have their coach coaching them on it. And then I'm there as a second opinion as they need me. Yeah. I like that. Well, cool. Uh, you know, something to, to look at for coaches out there, you know, like I said, I'm on a trial right now, so I didn't really, I knew it existed and, but I haven't really uh, gotten in too far. You know, I, I keep my team small, like 10 athletes, because uh, it's not really like my main source of income. And, and so it's, I want to make sure that I have the ability to spend time with them. So, um, but, but I can definitely see if you had like 50 to a hundred athletes, this would make things a lot easier and give them one place to communicate with you. So if anybody out there is looking for something like that, and actually I was surprised the the price is pretty reasonable. Um, in comparison to say train heroic train heroic it's that's more for trying to sell your program in the marketplace almost or that's at least a piece of it and they take a like 30 percent of each person that signs up plus a fee every month it ends up being like your break even point is pretty high unless you really negotiate something with them but uh you know one thing that we had on the on the list is what's your favorite chord dynamic or static start for yourself and your athletes uh, for myself, I'm a dynamic start. Uh, once I grab the bar, I'll shoot my hips up and I'll rock back to my heels. I'll bring the hips down into position. I'll plant my full foot on the ground and start from there, push the ground and get after it. Um, I don't really have a preference as far as what I teach or what I coach. Um, you know, I will start out with, if it's a brand new lifter, I'll start out with a static start uh that way they can take a second make sure that their setup is what we've what i've taught them what i've you know shown them and then they can you know start smooth from there uh 
as they progress through lifting and if they stick with it for a couple of years and you know, I've had people where I've been the first person to teach them a barbell snatch and I've coached, you know, coached them, you know, a year or so they'll come to me and they'll be like, Hey, so I noticed that you start different, or I noticed that this other lifter starts different. Why do they do that? And can I do it? You know, they want to try it out and I'm open to them trying it out. If it in any way helps them, then cool, roll with it. If it doesn't, and it's pretty apparent that it's more hassle than it's going to be worth for them then we'll probably say like, all right, let's backtrack a little bit, go back to your static start and let's start from there. So I guess I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah, fair enough. And it is a very individual thing. Um, so yeah, good input. Andy, jump in here, man. Um, I've always tried to teach a static start, especially to a bunch of uh, new people. And then just the same as court, I let them kind of develop on their own. If they want to try things, I always let them try it but I'm never afraid to tell someone if it's garbage or not. Um, you know, like there, there are people that it works for and there's people that it does not work for, you know? Um, me, I'm, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I tend to pull myself down and get set, but then I always pause for a split second before that bar comes off the ground. Um, that, that's just how I was taught, you know? Uh, Coach Ben Green, he'll, he thinks it's garbage, so he, he's on it real fast in a hurry saying don't do that you know so that's just how i was taught well um i uh just like they get there too and i'm always uh teaching the static start with a beginner uh i just feel that it is absolutely the most replicatable and gives them the most consistent feel lift in and lift out um, especially with a new lifter that's still learning so by getting them to use a static start, everything is uh, more controllable and, and more similar. Um, and personally, I do use a static start when I'm lifting. Um, and with my uh, more advanced lifters, it's, it's whatever is comfortable as long as they're able uh, to maintain the levers in the correct position. And, uh, it, you know, and if they don't listen, then I'll let them this lifts because they're hard-headed <laughs> fair enough um do you use a static start or a dynamic start i, I use a static start okay uh i, I was going to be interested if everybody was like do as i say not as i do <laughs> but, but fair enough uh yeah so so anyways guys we've kind of been going through like a little little history piece every uh every episode um so maybe we can talk about one today. So, you know, and uh, we had the rule change in 1964 where they allowed lifters to touch the body. So prior to 1964, you could not touch the body. And that's how the clean became the name because you were bringing the bar from the floor of the chest in one clean motion. We currently, we're having a discussion. We're like, we're not 100% sure where the name Snatch came from. So if anybody has that information, reach out to us. We'll try to figure it out as well. Um, but in, in, um, weightlifting, when it became more standardized and the IWF kind of wanted to make standards, they narrowed it down to three lifts, uh, the snatch, the clean jerk and the press. So most of you guys know this out there, but in 1972, they eliminated the press, but even, uh, even prior to that, like before the IWF standardized it, you know, each competition may have different lifts, you know, they have like potentially one arm snatches they might have some bizarre stuff and the strength world in general they would have these um these guys that were you know have you guys ever been to like a carnival with rides like your local carnival there might be like a strength guy out there and he would specialize in some kind of lift that nobody else like ever did so he could confidently go on stage and be like hey can anybody do more weight than me on this exercise can anybody do more weight and it was such a highly specialized movement. It wasn't like, hey, I bet I can bench press more than all you guys. Everybody fucking knows what a bench press is, right? So, like, it's likely if you went in a crowd today, even if you train the bench press pretty often, somebody would be able to beat you. But to give you an example, uh, one guy's specialty at the carnival um, was, uh, you guys know, like a wrestling neck bridge? Um, so, so he was like, he would go out there, and there was no bench. So he would go out there underneath the bar and do a neck bridge 
and then kind of bench press it on his neck. So if you don't train that, your neck's pretty weak naturally. So you can't really do a whole lot of weight, but he trained it like, you know, for several years and then he could go out there and say, you know, challenge people. So that's really what the strength world was like is all these people who specialize in odd lifts and, and they were almost like these, these carnies that would go out there and like, you know, bet people or, you know, show off. And, uh, and then the IWF kind of made some standards, but, uh, so, so that's going to be what we talk about tonight. We're going to talk about abolishing the press in 1972 next time and what implications that had on weightlifting and how, you know, people look different and their lifting technique is different. And the U.S. was actually really dominant in the press. So it kind of caused, you know, the U.S. coaches to not really know how to program. We had a huge downslide in, in weightlifting performance and a lot of cues uh, carried over. Like if you had a coach that that was a world champion in the press era, they're not all of a sudden going to change their programming and change their technique ideas. But but when the press is removed and people no longer have strong upper bodies, and um, you know the snatch becomes much more highly important for your total training methods change completely. And you know it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So some of those things stuck around for a long time and even today. So, you know, we'll talk about how technique has changed next time. But uh, anyways, uh, you guys have anything to add with the historical stuff? Yeah, so one of the biggest things Coach Green likes to tell stories about uh, Paul Anderson. And mm-hmm. Paul did that at a bunch of carnivals. He would go out and every night he would press over the world record press at the carnival under the big top. Coach Green used to say that he would go out and he would load the weights for him and they would start somewhere around 400 pounds and end up over five. And Paul's just out there manhandling these weights. Uh, he said that's one of his favorite stories. So I'm sure it'll come up when we have our podcast with him. Yeah, I would love to hear that one. And and the press, you know, at one time was the king of all lifts. I mean, that's how weightlifting really came about. It's like, hey, who can pick this rock up and put it over their head? Or who can pick this log up and put it over their head? And that's like the basis of weightlifting right there. So, uh, you know, if you're the king of the press, at least in the, in the you know, back in the day, you know, you were the king. Like that is what, at least in America, we viewed as being the biggest you know, the biggest and the baddest MF on earth would be the best presser, right? It wasn't in the snatch because it was lower and there was three lifts. Just mathematically, it didn't have as high of importance. So you could be a world record holder in the snatch and get last place in the competition because the, the weight, the sheer weight wasn't that important to your total. But um, anyways, guys. Um, All right. So we, we, we got three boys from Georgia on here right now. Okay. And, and the guy from North Carolina over here. You've said the word king a couple times. We said the word challenge a couple times. So in, in you know, I guess like, uh, what do you call it? Honor of Juan. Want to throw a challenge out there? <laughs> well, you got muted somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> a javelin press? Well, can, you're... I call it, can, I, can I call a lifeline on that? That's a challenge. Well, yeah, are, we, are we allowed to have celebrity shots on this one where you call in somebody else? Oh, I know who I'm calling. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're going to call too. I'm going to call it first. Who, Logan? Logan. Yeah, Logan. <laughs> oh, Logan Kimball from Georgia Heavy, man. He I, does 70 or 80 kilos. Walt, I don't know why, but, you, but your mic is doing something crazy right now. So, uh, I'll I, try the javelin press with you there, uh, the Walt. I'll try it. I'll let you guys do this because I'm I'm training for a meet and by God I'm going to get hurt trying trying to beat you guys at this <laughs> this silly thing. But after the meet, absolutely, I'll I'll try it and embarrass myself. I'm not good at anything, you know. I'm competent at snatch and clean jerk and like powerlifting movements, but when it comes to like moving things that are not a barbell or odd movements, it's not my thing. Um, definitely very specialized. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so cord um. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Tell people where they can find you on, uh, you know, social media and your team. Uh, yeah, if you want to follow along with the team and what we do, uh, we're at Atlas Weightlifting Club on Instagram and Facebook. 
Uh, and if you're into watching YouTube videos, my wife and I just started a YouTube channel. Uh, so if you kind of want to see a little bit more about, you know, how we train together and things like that, uh, Atlas Weightlifting on YouTube. Also, you know, uh, what, what did, uh, what did Danielle hit at Andy's meet? Uh, she hit, let's see, she missed 96 on her opener. She, I think she missed it twice. Yeah, she missed 96 twice. And then she, our goal coming into this meet was to snatch 100. She was in shape for it. So she said, whatever, screw it, put 100 on the bar. I'm snatching it. And she snatched 100. So uh, she matched her all-time PR there on the platform in competition. So that was cool. Um, I forget what she opened with on clean and jerk, but I know she ended up hitting 116. Um, and she missed the clean at 120. Um, so, I got you. Yeah, the, the main highlight there is that, you know, she snatched a hundred, she's a 64 kilo lifter. That's phenomenal. Um, and very, very close to the American record. So uh, she's a super, um, you know, probably someone who, is, who has had so many accomplishments and not many people out there know of her. you know, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. So she's kind of under the radar as a dark horse. So, you know, watch out for her. She is, uh, assume you guys are going to be at nationals given it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. We will be there. Um, and yeah, it's kind of funny. A lot of people don't know who she is. Um, one of my athletes that I train at the gym, he is a waiter at a restaurant up towards, um, uh, up in the same area that Spencer Arnold's gym is at. And, uh, let's see, was it last month or something? A bunch of people came into town and, uh, I think Hunter Elam was down here and Hunter and, uh, Crystal, I think is her name. Uh, and, a few of them, they went out to eat and he waited their tables and our athlete noticed that they had weightlifting stuff on. And he asked them like, Oh, are y'all Olympic weightlifters? And she goes, yeah, we just did a competition. And then he asked her, uh, he asked Hunter, he said, do you know who Danielle Gunnan is? And she goes, no, I don't. And <laughs> it was, he came back and told us that. And I was like, that's really funny. I'm like, good. Let's keep it that way. You yeah. Know, so, it um, always helps to have some, some uh you know mystery around you so it, so it yeah. kind of surprises people in the warm-up room at nationals but uh yeah, but i thought that was kind of funny yeah it, de it definitely is it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because she is a little under the radar but uh you know snatching 100 that's fucking awesome so uh andy where can people find you uh you can find me on instagram at coach.andyc or running the all south barbell instagram at all south barbell if you want to volunteer to load at uh, the super meet in Atlanta here in a couple of weeks, you can email me Andy at all South com. Awesome. Well, let's uh, cross our fingers and hope that Walt's mic is good. Now, uh, Walt, where can people find you? I unplugged it, went straight laptop. So hopefully that'll work for now. Sounds good. But uh, yeah, it's Walt Neubauer or Wilmington weightlifting club on Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. Well, thanks guys. I think we had a good episode tonight. We discussed, you know, coaching a significant other slash family member um, and some of the ins and outs of that and struggles and, you know, some of the things that carry over to all lifters. Um, and then we even had a fun little point of uh, discussing dynamic versus static start. Uh, so Corey Gutton of Atlas Weightlifting in Atlanta, Georgia. You may not be in Atlanta, but uh, what city are you in? Uh, we're in Monroe, Georgia, so we're about 30 miles east of Atlanta. We're right in the middle of Atlanta and Athens, Georgia. Awesome. So, uh, And we have uh, Andy Coggins of All South Barbell also in the Atlanta area and Walt Neubauer of Wilmington Weightlifting Club. And wouldn't you guess that's in Wilmington, North Carolina. So, um, you know, check all these guys out if you're in their area. So myself, I'm Travis Cooper. You can find me at TravisCooper77KG on Instagram. Let us know if you have any questions, topics, or folks that you'd like to see on the podcast, like we were able to uh, get Cord on here. You know, maybe we can get your uh, favorite weightlifter or coach as well. Um, so we'll be back at you next week, guys. Have a good one.